So the questions I asked when I was interviewing are things like, how have you dealt with someone who's not been happy with treatment? Because we've all had people who are not happy with treatment, like every single one of us. For some it will happen more than others, but for most of us it won't happen very often. But this question is good because it sets the expectation that, a, firstly, it's okay. And sometimes if people have looked a bit confused, I've gone, we all have people who are happy, not happy with treatment. How do you deal with it? But it really rooted out for me the people who could deal with that situation, that slightly awkward situation, and the people who couldn't. And if someone was saying to me, well, that's never have happened, well, then either you're the world's most amazing chiropractor ever, or you're lying to me, or you've not picked up that people are not happy with treatment because we know that it happens. It's happened to me, it's happened to everyone. Hi, and welcome to the Practice Builders podcast with me, Rosie Piercy. I'm a chiropractor, clinic director and practice builder. In every episode, I'm going to bring you the hints, tips and lessons I've learned in building my successful clinic to help you build the practice of your dreams. Hello and welcome to the Practice Builders podcast. So today we are talking, or I am talking, about hiring an associate and because I realised that it's almost a year since I offered Sam, my new associate, um, a a position at my clinic. Um, She started in August, we're now in October, Um, but we offered her the position in October, November of the year before. So it's kind of coming up to that year when I realised that we were going to actually do this. So I thought it might be handy and I'm seeing lots of um, adverts going out on the chiropractic you know Facebook groups and that for associates so I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to go through the five questions I asked myself before I took an associate on in case that's helpful now if you've hired many many associates you may go through this gone through this process before um, if you've never hired anyone before then this might be helpful for you and even if you have done it before maybe if it's not gone as well as you wanted it to or if you're stumbling over some of the the things that you want maybe these questions will help so Let's get started. So the first thing is, did I want an employed associate or a self-employed associate? Now, the downside of the employed associate is obviously the finances involved, you know, tax, um, NI, pension, things like that. Um, you don't have that with a self-employed associate. They, they look after all that themselves. Um, and obviously there's a bit more employment law going on if you are employing them. But for me, I went for an employed associate. I knew that I wanted an employed associate and I should tell you for why because I wanted the control. Now, I realise that makes me sound like a control freak and perhaps I should have an evil laugh going on when I say that. But I'd heard many stories from colleagues who have had a self-employed associate and they've then been able to turn up when they wanted or not come in or go and see patients in other clinics and things like that. And I really strongly believe the only way to build a successful practice is to be physically in clinic so I wanted that control over my associate to say these are your working hours and you will be in clinic and that's that's what I wanted to offer that's what I wanted from an associate and that's what I wanted to offer so that's why we went down the employed route even though it cost me money in like tax and NI and pension and things like that you know I went through the sums I went through the maths and I worked out that actually if we got to a certain level of busyness then that didn't matter because I would still be making money, quite a lot of money off the associate. So, and it, and it felt fairer. And it seemed to me from conversations I had with clinic tutors at ACC that that was what people were more expecting now. You know, when I graduated in what, 2005, employed positions was like hen's teeth. You know, I had an employed position, but on no salary. Um, so, but I decided that's what the way I was going to offer. So I think 
have a real think about what you want. And maybe if you've had associates in the past that haven't worked out because they have been self-employed and off other places, has that been the reason or have they just been the wrong person for the job? So maybe have a good think about that and decide whether you want to have the control controlled environment of the employment, which comes at a cost, or the less control of a self-employed person that obviously has less of financial cost, but then you have less control over what they're doing. And maybe decide if you're a control freak or not. Um, secondly, next question that I asked myself was, um, what do I want the result of having an, an associate to be? Now, this may be like an obvious question. You may be like, well, I, I want them to see patients. But I kind of feel like it's more than that. I think often what happens is we have, for anything that we do in life, we have an idea of how it's going to be. And we often don't realise that we have an idea of this is how we want something to be. And then we don't, because we haven't fully realised it, when we go looking for an associate or whatever it is, we don't match those two realities together, if that makes sense. So I really sat down um, and thought about it. I also discussed with my practice manager, Sharon, like, what do we want from this? Obviously, we want someone to see more patients. I was getting to the point where, um, because I wasn't, I'm not in every day, and I don't want to be in every day. You know, that's part of what the reality, you know, the result that I wanted from having an associate was that I did not feel the pressure to go into clinic more because I don't want to be in clinic any more than I am. So I wanted that. But what else did I want? How did I want them to fit into the team? So I'm in a multidisciplinary clinic. I have 17 other therapists doing many different things. So I needed someone who was happy with that. I couldn't have someone come into the clinic who thought that chiropractic was the best thing in the world and everyone else was rubbish. That would not sit well with my team. Um, I had to have someone who was happy to be mentored a little bit particularly they're a new grad I mean they've been out for 20 years they may not need that but they're a new grad they'd need to be happy to be mentored coached and helped along the way they would need to be happy to take part in some sort of marketing activities that I'd want them to do um, we may need them to do other things around the clinic like I would you know I would expect people to perhaps you know if reception's looking dreadful and the receptionist is off sick that day to pick up a cup and put it in the kitchen to have that team player kind of attitude so I think it's really worth sitting down and almost visualizing how you'd expect a day to go with your associate and what you'd expect to happen and then see what that result is and then kind of write down words that would help you find that in a person and also how you're expecting to be with that associate because I think a lot of the time we just think we're going to get this person in and they're going to do this for us but not what we're going to do for them so really sit down and visualize what you want your clinic to feel like and be like and work like and maybe things that you can expect your associate to do that isn't just treating patients if you want them to do more than that because then that will help you find the right person for you. Because if not, we'll have this idea in our mind of all these things are going to happen. But because we haven't verbalised that or realised that fully, we won't put that across the people applying for jobs. And then we won't get the right person and it all goes horribly wrong. So that was the second question. And then the next question is, what do I need to put into place? What do I need to happen before I hire them. So the first thing was working out, you know, self-employed or employed, employed. What do I want the person to do? This and that. And then what else do I need? So this can be practical. So I knew that if I was going to take an associate on, they would need, because they're going to be employed, I'd need to employ, you know, supply them with scrubs, maybe some equipment. They'd need a laptop. How, because I have many people working in different rooms, we needed to work out which room that chiropractor would go in, what bench they would have. So for me, they can't, I can't have a fully chiropractic bench because 
no one else will work off it and they'd only be in that room sometime and in the room that I use more. Um, so all that kind of stuff, the practical stuff, and then the financial side. So I knew we were going to employ this person and I didn't know how busy they were going to be. You know, I thought there would be a certain level of busyness, but no one can see into the future with, you know, we don't have crystal balls. So, you know, myself, I sat down and did the maths and then got Sharon to check it because maths is not my strong point um, about what, how much money we needed to have aside. And so because we offered Sam the job way before um, she actually started, we saved. So we saved quite a bit of money every single month towards her salary, towards the things we need to buy, towards some extra marketing, so that we could give time for her to get busy because she was going to start from a standing start. Now, as it is, she's done incredibly well and she's already far exceeding what we thought she would. So she's being amazing. Um, but having all that set aside meant that we, we had space for her to grow or if it hadn't been her someone else to grow into that position because I think if you are going to decide even if you're going to go self-employed you've got to expect that they maybe not start off as well and maybe there'll be costs up front such as buying equipment or extra marketing or salary that you're going to need to recover to cover and if you don't have that set aside in advance then you are putting extra pressure on the situation for them to need to make money straight away and we need to be honest that sometimes people won't make money straight away particularly um if you know the country's in difficult times or if something else happens we need to have a buffer so work out in terms of practicalities what you need but also work out kind of almost emotionally what what you're going to need to put in place so if you're taking on a new grad then you're going to need to be able to support them and know if you have the skills to support them so or, or maybe they'll need to do some training you know are you going to offer to pay their GCC or, or BCA fees for a while that's those kind of things are important to kind of work out what you're going to do to put in place and and how that's all going to work before you start hiring someone because obviously those are questions that you're going to ask and also you don't want to get two weeks in or a month in and your associate turn around and go well are you going to mentor me or I don't know how to do this and you're like well I wasn't expecting to help you with any of this stuff if you don't have those solid expectations and boundaries in place beforehand for both of you both the associate coming into the role and for you um, in you know taking someone on then that's when there's going to be trouble so if you can say clearly to people when you're interviewing them yes we'll offer you mentorship yes we'll do this yes we'll do that or no we won't do that but we're going to offer you this instead you know maybe you want to outsource that to somebody else you know Chris Chippendale has a program for that then then that's fine but it's just working out um, what you need to have in place before they come on board or perhaps even before you advertise because all these things will affect the advertisement that you're going to put up and therefore the person you're going to attract. If this isn't all kind of, you know, realised in your head, then you can't write the advert to attract the right person. You'll attract people, but they may be the wrong person and you'll be like, why am I not getting the right person? And that will that will then not work well for you. Just taking a quick break in the show to remind you of my Practice Builders Community Facebook group. It's where I share hints, tips and mini masterclasses every month to help you make building a practice that little bit easier. So do join. The link's in the show notes. Now let's head back to the episode. And then kind of leading on to that, we're then looking at what kind of support do they need and can you offer? So 
I quite like mentoring, coaching, things like that. So I'm quite happy to do that. You may think I don't want to spend any time doing this. And then you need to work out to get the best from that person what you're going to offer instead. Or are you going to say, you know, and are you going to have it as a fixed time? Are you going to sit down, say, every Thursday lunchtime and go through notes and go through cases? Or are you going to have like an open door policy so people can come and talk to you whenever you want? Are you going to do you have a formalized training program that you're going to put them through that's either in clinic or outside of clinic? Um, all those kind of things, because if you leave it too much to flying by the seat of your pants, then that's when it's likely to go wrong. And it's going to be difficult and awkward because people that if your associate may have expectations of what they thought would happen and you may have expectations of what you thought they, they would do by themselves. So having that very clear cut will, will help and say this is how we are going to do it. And, and obviously, you know, whether you're employing or self-employing, you, you are the boss. So you get to choose how that happens and choose how that goes. And then they can go along with that or not. And if they're not going to go along with that, then, then that's a, a key thing. And often the questions you ask in interview can be really important for this. Um, it can help you decide whether that's the right person or not by how you interact with them. And that kind of leads us to, to the next point that I want to talk about, which is um, how do you know if they're right for the job or not? Now, obviously, interview questions are really important. And I found this, I've, so I interviewed a few associates and one year I started looking and I looked too late. So this would be my other bit of advice, start looking way before you want. So I started looking the first time the year before last um, in the April time and we didn't get many people applying. Um, and so then we didn't hire anyone. We had some people who we could have, we chose not to. And so we waited. And I think the rule I would always go for is if you're, if it's a, if you're not sure, then it's a no. So if you're going, oh, I don't know, then it's a no. Because we don't want, if, you know, those things come across. You'll know if they're the right person. And if you're not sure, it's a no. Because you need to be able to work with the person. You need to be able to feel comfortable that they're, that they're going to fit in. And I think the questions you ask are really important. So the questions I asked when I was interviewing are things like, how have you dealt with someone who's not been happy with treatment? Because we've all had people who are not happy with treatment, like every single one of us. For some, it will happen more than others, but for most of us, it won't happen very often. But this question is good because it sets the expectation that, a, firstly, it's okay. And sometimes if people have looked a bit confused, I've gone, we all have people who are happy, not happy with treatment. How do you deal with it? But it really rooted out for me the people who could deal with that situation, that slightly awkward situation, and the people who couldn't. And if someone was saying to me, well, that's never ever happened, well, then either you're the world's most amazing chiropractor ever or you're lying to me or you've not picked up that people are not happy with treatment because we know that it happens. It's happened to me. It's happened to everyone. But how you deal with it, whether it's just like, you know, OK, what about you're not happy? OK, you thought you'd be better yesterday and you have nine out of ten back pain and you only come in once. Well, that's just a setting expectations. Is it that you've been here 20 times and you're not better? Okay, well, then we, maybe we need to stop treatment. Whatever it is, being able to deal with that conversation with a patient is hugely important. And even, and to be honest, if it's a new grad and they say, well, I think I would say this, but I'm not actually sure, that's also a good answer because knowing what you don't know is super important for improving. If you think you're great at everything, then you're not going to try and improve. So that's really, really important to, to ask. 
Um, another question I asked is, um, how do you feel about um, being mentored and helped throughout, you know, to progress your, your career and progress your skills and help you be a better chiropractor? Because I did have one person turn around and say, well, I don't need you to teach me how to adjust. And that kind of attitude is wrong because someone who is not yet graduated, if they think they don't need any help from me in, in an area of adjusting, then that is a worrisome sign. Not that I am the best adjuster in the world. Obviously, I like to think I am. But we all know that you know there's adjustments we're not as good at or things like that. But to think that they can't learn from me is a worrying sign. And that would be an instant no for me. Because you need to expect to be able to learn from everyone. And whether you learn a positive thing or a negative thing, you need to be able to learn. I know from every conversation I have with a chiropractor or a clinician, I learn something from it. And if you're not in that position, particularly as a new grad that you think you can learn, then that is a dangerous person that I don't want in my clinic because they're not having the right attitude, in my opinion. Now, you may think that's completely wrong, but for me, that is a warning bell that would say, stay away. And then just your general demeanour about how they, just general chatting about what they're like, what they're looking for. Another person I had who was really lovely, but they really wanted to work with babies and children. I don't treat babies. It's well known. I don't treat babies. I don't like babies. You know, I shouldn't say that. It's awful. I do like my own children, but babies are not a thing that I have any interest in treating. And so I didn't think that I would offer them the experience they really wanted. And although they may be happy for a while, if that said, their driven passion is to have a paediatric clinic, then I'm not going to help that achieve that vision for them. So I don't want to employ them. Um, so it's been equally if someone wanted to be 100% sports-based. We do a bit of sports-based, but we're not a sports-based clinic particularly. We have things that can help treat sports people, but maybe they wouldn't be the right for, right for us. Again, if they were, you know, really wanted to get into the neuro stuff, yet yeah, the neuro stuff is fascinating. I can't help them on that. So possibly I'm not the right principal chiropractor for them so I think even working that out so it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative reason that you decide someone's not right for the job it can be actually you think I'm not the right associate for you, you know not the right principal for you because I can't help you into the career you want to have because if you take someone on who really wants something different from what your clinic offers they're not going to stay long and what you re really want, we, what we all know works well in clinic, is stability. So ideally, we want someone to come along who's going to stay for a long period of time, build up a great base, and maybe never, ever leave. Um, and I mean, that's how I tend to also approach the whole employment thing. I think it's the Richard Branson version of um, employing people, is treat them really well, train them really well, give them, but then, and give them a really good, hopefully really good salary and benefits and make the job really great. So train them so well they could leave, but make the job so good that they won't. You know, I know that any of my team could leave and do well, and I really hope that they never do, but I'm going to try and keep them as happy as I can so that they they don't leave. Um, yeah, so really, I think those questions are really important to ask. And then finally, making sure, you know, this is a bonus one, if you like, this is our bonus bit, is have a contract. Have a contract, a really good contract. And if you're worried particularly about the employment thing, employing in them and then being quiet, you know, we have written into our contract short hours or lack of work. What will happen if that happens? You know, because we have to take all situations into account. Now, you know, 
we're nowhere near that ever happening at the moment. You know, Sam is doing amazingly well. But you have to have a, a, a contract takes in, into account all eventualities that you haven't even thought of. Um, so getting an, an employment contract or a self-employed contract is super important. So make sure that you have that because it protects you and it protects the associate. And it also means that everyone's on the same page. There's no questions about what we do with this. Okay, well, we go back to the contract and we read it, and that's what we both agreed. And it also can be a point of discussion. You know, you can say, we've got this, this, and this, and the associate can come back and go, well, what does this mean? And you can say, it means this. And if they're not happy, then we can, you know, discuss around it. But it just gives security and reassurance and same pageness, if that's a word, for everyone. Excellent. Well, I hope that's helped you. Um, I'm going to be talking more about um, employing you know, associates um, and working with associates in the next podcast as well. I will see you next time. Have a lovely day. Goodbye. Are you struggling to find patients for your clinic? Do you find it difficult to make patients choose your clinic over another one? And do you feel like you're lost in the crowd of clinics and practitioners for patients to choose? Then we have a free virtual conference for you. Learn from the experts in the chiropractic field to help you be the go-to clinic in your area, to attract your ideal patient and make patients choose you over any other clinic and become the most referred and recommended clinic plus a whole lot more. This virtual conference is completely free, so find out how to level up your practice by following the link in the show notes.